We're really um, enjoying the start of 19 or 2019, Pray, Give, Go. That's sort of been our, our passion for these last few months as a staff to say, God, how can we as a church pray, give, and go? We want to up it. We want to up everything we're doing in 2019, and we have some specific goals that we're going to be bringing to you in these next few weeks. But last week, I started out with pray, and thank you for praying. Let's be a praying church always. We decided we would do something kind of fun. We call it Wednesday Noon Prayer, and it's back in our student ministry center, which is just to the east side of the building over here. Typically, when you call a prayer meeting, you have no idea how many people are going to come, if anybody. I've been to some by myself. And, uh, man, it started to be about a quarter till 12, and we ran out of chairs in the youth center back here. It was amazing. And thanks to so many of you who showed up. And then at noon, I gave a five-minute devotion, honest. We're, that's what we're doing. We're starting right at noon. Five-minute thought on prayer, and then we passed out a little sheet that had a world prayer need, a local prayer need, and a Timberline Church prayer need, and then we just said, go pray wherever you want in the building, and people lingered, people walked around, people prayed. We also had a live Facebook connection. Some of you, how many of you did that? A lot of you did that. We had over 700 of you join us live on Facebook just for those few moments, and so Put a timer on your phone, noon on Wednesday, all year long, we're going to be doing this. And so if you can pop in, some of you are working, there's no way you could ever make it, go to Facebook or whatever, but we don't keep you, it's just a five-minute thought, and then we release you to prayer. Some teams were praying together at tables, other people were walking around solo, so it's, there's a lot of options there and no big rules, so I hope you'll be there. The other challenge I gave last weekend... Remember the, the chants and the cheers that our staff did, pray, give, go, pray, give, go? Remember, they were, they were hilarious. Well, we had someone take us up on it. I said, hey, if you want to do a, a chant or a cheer, pray, give, go, get it on video and send it to me. And uh, we're going to show one. This is done by 8th grade girls small group this past week. When Pastor Justin showed up, they said, all we really want to do is do one of those videos Cheers. It's really cool. Take a look. Okay. Give him a hand. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> So, we have one more week. Come on, some of you need to get in there, get your kids, get your family, and send it to us by Wednesday or so, so we can take a look and go from there. I, uh, you know, we talked about pray, this week we're going to talk about give, and yes, we're going to talk about money, so just take a deep breath. <sighs> How many of you knew you would be here the one week a year that he talks about money? You know, I decided to come to church and the pastor talks about money. Yes, I am. Uh, but I'm also talking about time, talent, and treasure, because that's really what we give. And money's just a small part of that, but it's very important that we get that right. Um, we have a, a, a thing called Financial Peace University here at Timberline, and we have done it for years. If you've never taken the class, I highly recommend it. It's all about money. 
and Terry Evans leads that, and we just had a class that graduated a few months ago, and I don't even know how many were in the class, but in those nine weeks, listen to what happened. The debt that was paid off in those nine weeks, not counting mortgage or student loans, was over $18,000. Student loan debt, over $6,000. Money saved in those nine weeks, almost $8,000. And guess how many credit cards were cut in half at the end? 25. Now that's because people took action on their finances. And believe me, in talking to many of these people who come out of these classes, they say, this could never happen to me. I, I just don't have enough money. There are ways to help you. Let us as a church help you. Be informed because there's a little principle that says you don't know what you don't know. Is that true? It's true. You don't know what you don't know. And if you knew, it would it'd be a game changer for your life and your finances. So pay attention. Jas, uh, Clint Jasperson is a wealth advisor. Many of you know Clint. He's a part of our Timberline family here. And he was sharing some thoughts created by Ron Blue. Ron Blue is a wonderful financial guru guy. wrote several books years ago. That said money should be used for three things. Number one, provision meeting our needs and the needs of our loved ones. Number two, contentment. You can be content with much or little. You can also be discontent with much or little. Did you know that? And then enjoyment. God wants you to enjoy life through the funds that he puts into your hands. Think of the Garden of Eden. This was an amazing place. They had everything given to them. This is God's idea. So God's not up there today looking, you know, mad saying, I'm going to suck it out of you, boy. I mean, he's not up there saying, I'm going to hurt you if you don't get this right. He's saying, I love you. I want the best for you. Let's have some fun. I love the, the story about a, uh, a large church with lots of different pastors. And a little boy seemed to kind of find one of the pastors on staff every single week. And he, he would give him a nickel. And the pastor would say, thank you. And the next week, he might give him a quarter. The next week, he might give him a dime. Finally, the pastor, kind of feeling funny about this, said, I can't, I can't take any more of your money. Why are you giving me money? The little boy looked up at him and said, well, my dad says you're one of the poorest pastors on our staff. <laughs> Woo! Wow, so I'll take your money in the back, right back here. So here we go. You have an outline there, follow along. Number one, what should our attitude be about giving? Just in an overall nutshell, there must be this kind of attitude that's an umbrella over everything we are. Now, I'm going to read a passage in 2 Corinthians. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. In the passage, you need to know, to be fair to the text, he's coming to visit people in Corinth, and he's bringing some of his friends. And ahead of time, they said, we want to bless them financially, so they've prepared to take an offering for this group once they get there. So this verse is specifically tied to this offering that they're talking about. Read the whole chapter and you'll understand. That's why I don't want to just pull it out and say it applies to everything in giving. But it, for our purposes today, it really does apply for an attitude 
adjustment about our giving. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. In other words, you've thought about it. You've made a decision about it. And you're going to give it when the time comes. Notice this next line. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Thank God. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's no fun when you're guilted into giving and there's pressure. and oh, That's horrible. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. So that passage right there is specific. And it says some really big things. Whenever I talk about uh, giving at Timberline Church, two things happen. One, I usually get a few connection cards that aren't signed that say, why are you talking about money? People don't want to hear talking about money. They don't come to church to hear about money. And, and it's unsigned, and, and I, move, I move on, and they move on, and people are mad. Those are typically the people who don't give. And they are under conviction. So if I get a note from you, I'll know. No, I'm just kidding. I don't pay a lot of attention to it. You know why? Because giving is a part of Bible. I'm not a good pastor if I just leave all that out. So this is very important. And being a biblical Christian who's following the ways of Jesus, you need to have a plan for stewarding your time, your talent, and your treasure. And I am simply, truly trying to help you do that. So the other people that I hear from are people who've been tithing and giving for years, and they're like, oh, thank God you did that. Bring it on. Everybody needs to hear that more often. We don't want to be alone in our giving. Plus, it's such a blessing in our lives. And tell everyone, you should be preaching this on every Sunday. I just get, and they're signed. <laughs> so, so here we go. What is our, what's my attitude? Let me just give you a couple bullet points. They're not really in your outline, but just thoughts. First attitude is God's the owner. If you really know that God's the owner of everything in your life, it is just a wonderful life to live. There's very little. We are, we're called to be responsible. But when he's the owner, when I, when I can actually believe it and say, I don't own the shirt on my back right now, and I believe that, I don't. I'm stewarding it car, house, kids, van, whatever. I don't own any of it. It's just been put in my hand. I've been entrusted a lot of wonderful things, and God can take it right out of my hand just like that, right? So it's not mine. That answers, it solves quite so many problems in your life when you know he's the owner. God wants me to live joyfully. That's another thing that puts the peace of God in my heart. If I realize God's on my side, he's not ticked off and trying to get me because I'm not giving enough. Another thing that's important is God delights in me whether I'm poor or rich or somewhere in between. God delights in you because you're you. He, he doesn't have a financial attachment letter that comes with you. Oh, Joe, let's see his financial attachment. No, he delights, he made you to be you regardless of where you are financially on the spectrum. Don't forget that. Another thing that I want to say, and it's very important, riches are not always a sign of God's blessing, and poverty is not always a sign of God's punishment. You with me? There are some really disgruntled rich people out there, and some really disgruntled poor people out there, and there's some really happy wonderful rich people, and some really happy, wonderful poor people. They're content. 
And we need to pay attention to that. The last principle in my attitude about money is this. I am responsible for my own well-being before God. Now, I know that he has promised food, clothing, shelter to me, but he has also asked me to be responsible in stewarding that which I am earning and receiving. So when people say, well, I just don't have enough money. Well, you don't understand my job. Well, you don't Well. Your financial decisions have been made for quite a while now. And there comes a point when you just accept where you are based on your tendencies and your patterns. It will help you to own it. Now, I could list several names in our church right now. People who, because of medical crisis, are in a terrible financial position. And I mean, they didn't deserve that. And there's no way that they put themselves in that hole. That's just... Boom, what happened, and we're praying with them. So I understand there are crises. Number two, in your outline, how does God measure giving? Now, this is an important question. Wouldn't you think? How does God measure it? If it matters, how is it measured? Well, I'm going to read to you a passage in Luke 21 that's often used for this question. It goes like this. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. They have given a tiny part of their what? Surplus. They've given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Now, if you'll notice in your outline, there's some observations. By the way, our app, Timberline Church app, also has the outline built in it if you want to take notes and stuff on there. So if I see you working your phone, I'm going to know you're taking notes. (laughs) It's really cool, actually. Number one, amounts can be deceiving. Amounts can really be deceiving. That's why I get uncomfortable when I go to those auctions and you go to places where people say, you know, who give a thousand? Who 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 give ten thousand? And you know, there's there's one or two people maybe that give this large number, and everyone else in the room is going like, wow, okay, I was hoping to give fifty. You know, I was I was shooting for twenty five. I feel a little funny now. Well, don't feel funny, because amounts are not important. Jesus doesn't see amounts; he sees the heart, and God's not impressed with more. Or less. God is impressed with obedience. Everybody get that? It's very important. It's a very good rule. Amounts can be deceiving. Number two, Jesus did not suggest that we give it all in an offering. I'm amazed at how many times I hear evangelists or pastors use this passage to say, Are you giving it all? I just, I just want to confess to you that I have never once in my entire life given everything that I had cash-wise in an offering in one time, ever. You know why? Because I think that's poor stewardship. Unless God prompted me to do that, there's no way I would do that. Because God wants me to pay my bills, plan for my future, take care of my family. Uh, provision is a part of what money is in my life for. So there's never guilt to say, I'm going to give everything I have. I pray that you will pay attention to the big picture of your life financially 
and that you can be obedient and give when God prompts you to give and that you can give out of obedience. There's stuff in the Bible like the parable of the talents where Jesus actually says that the master required them to save. The master required them to invest and then to give later. So there are seasons in your life when you, ne- you better be planning. People say, well, I don't believe in planning. Well, then you're not a Bible Christian. You know, well, God will provide. Well, God will provide because he gave you a brain to plan your financial picture and do a good job and be a good steward. Live under the disciplines that you need to live under in your money. People, you know, I don't know. It's simple math. But when you spend more money than you make, you're going to be in trouble at some point. And yet Americans do it every year. And this isn't a, this is the hope that God can help you today. It's, it's, it's tough to live within your means. But find a way to do it. And I want to inspire you to do that. I want to tell you, you can. You can live within your means. And God will help you if you make that commitment to do so. Number three, God sees the heart behind the gift. God sees the heart behind the gift. God knows what's going on inside of our life at all times. He knows the motive behind why we do what we do. I've, I've been around long enough to watch how people use money, and I'm just amazed. And Sometimes people use money for control. Parents who control their children, you know, if you do this, we'll buy you this, you know, all of that. And I'm not, I don't think money is a bad reward for little kids raising them. We gave allowances and all that. But I'm talking about when they're adults and, and you're really controlling them through the, the money that you have. That's a challenge. Um, some use it for favors and to buy friendship. You know, you just know there's a little expectation attached to this friendship. And, and that's a very uncomfortable feeling. Some use it for selfish reasons and they just live their life with no regard for others. But some, godly, view it as God's blessing and to use it in a way that God would want. They realize that they are not; these resources are not all theirs at all, but they have been put in their hand and God is trusting them to do godly things with it. Number three, what are the ways that we give? What are the ways that we give? Now here's what I want to do. I've put in your, in your notes right there, I've put three words across there that I'm just going to write up here because I want to talk about them for a few minutes. These are very, very important words. As a matter of fact, I would, whoops, how do I say that? That's a U. I never can write on a board very good. I, I would suggest that there really are not very many more categories of giving this I think every, every kind of giving could fit in, in one of these columns. So let's talk about them just for a second here. This is super practical. You ready? Time. This is the one of the three that is identical for all of us. It's just an observation. When, when, people, say, when people say, I just don't have time, I want to say, well, you have the same amount as everybody else. Yes, you might have planned it differently. You might choose, but you you chose. (laughs) You chose. And and you need to remember that. You need to pay attention to that. When people say, I'm just so busy, I'm just, I'm buried right now. I'm just, really? 
what happened? Well, I took on this and this and this, and now it's catching up with me. Own it. Own it. Just turn to your neighbor and say, own it. Yeah, own it. We all have the same amount of time. Don't forget that. You know, set your pace in a way that's godly and right. God rested for crying out loud. He wants you to be rested. He doesn't want you to live overwhelmed with your calendar, time. You have as much as everyone else. Talent, do you have as much as everyone else? (laughs) Some of you are like, no. (laughs) I would propose that we all have talents. We all have gifts that God has given us. Would you agree? Take a moment, take 30 seconds right now and write down two things you're good at on, on your sheet. Go ahead. Some of you are like, oh boy, I can't think of a thing. Well, just put being humble on there. You need to know what you're good at. Seriously, you do. You say, well, that's pride. That's arrogance. No, it isn't. It's stewardship. Start doing more of what you're good at. God wired you to be good at it, so be good at it and be proud that you're good at it and always make sure and give it to God. It isn't your talent. It is God's talent used through you. If you recognize it like that, it takes any desire for arrogance out of the picture because it's been given to you. And develop that. Work toward it. No gifts are going to be withheld. When I, when I walk into a weekend like this, I'm always blown away when, when I see the traffic carts running around. I see people showing up for lighting and ushers start to gather and pray and greeters are here. And I get up here, I walk in here, and I see these amazing volunteer musicians playing up powerful music. And, and I just watch them and, and I, just, I just say, thank you, God. For people who have gifts and they're good at what they do. And these people up here on this stage, they want to be here. They have given hours. They have prepared. They have practiced. They have paid attention. They've gone through song selection process. And, you know, we just walk in like, I wonder if I'll like the song. (laughs) Nope, don't like that one. Instead of saying, thank you for using your talent and and, and letting me be the, the benefactor of something I don't even have, but let's just say thank you to all these people once in a while. It's amazing what they do. It's amazing. Treasure. Do we all have the same amount of money? <laughs> no. It's not a trick question. Uh, No. We do not. We are equally responsible for the money we have. That's where it's equal. But we have not all been given the same amount of money. I don't know why bad people sometimes have riches. I wish God would change that. I don't know why good people sometimes never can accumulate anything in their life. It always seems to be taken from them. I don't know. I just know that when you put your, your life in God's hands and you trust him and you steward it the best you can, you know that every treasure you have belongs to God. Now, both matter. In your outline it says this. 
systematic giving and need-based giving. Both of these matter in your life. And I want to talk about this just for a few minutes that we have left today. The, the first thing is, I'm just going to put it up here like this, the law. Now, when you give from the law, what I'm talking about here is the mandates that God gave the people of Israel in giving. There's a word called tithing. How many of you have heard that word? It's not a cuss word. Don't, don't pucker up and get weird on me now, okay? This, this was a law. God wanted the people to bring a tithe, which means 10% of their fruits, vegetables, labor, finances, into the storehouse, which is a picture of the local church. So that 10% comes to the local church, and then offerings start after that. That was what the law required. And so it was a burden. And, and that burden still continues to this day for people who want to kind of live under the law to bring their tithe out of obligation and guilt. Now, do I believe in tithing? Yes, I do. But I do not believe it should be under guilt or burden. I believe it should free me, and I've tithed my whole life. It's probably why it's not difficult for me, to be honest. If I had to start now and I had never tithed, I would freak out. But Bonnie and I decided that we were going to give 10% of our income since I was five years old when Bonnie and I got married. <laughs> but I, I always have. And then our offerings are on top of that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that's good or bad. I'm just saying what my experience is. When Malachi 3.10 was written, and that's the passage on tithe. Malachi 3.10, if you want to write it down, you can look it up, read it. Here's what God says. He says, bring your tithe, bring the fruits and vegetables to the storehouse, and you will see that your crops will grow in abundance. So much so that the storehouse will be so full. Then he says, and this is the interesting part, test me. Try me and see if I'm telling you the truth. It's the only time in Scripture God says, test me. And it has to do with giving. Isn't that weird? So, so you, might, you might be sitting here going, man, I just can't do that. I get it. I get it. But let God talk to you. Start somewhere. Pay attention to what systematic giving can do in your life. It breaks the bondage of materialism. And it can set you free in your life. I've experienced this, okay? And I believe I'm telling you the truth. However, do not let this be a bondage to you. To where you hate it and you're sick and you're writing this check going, I hate God. You're taking everything from me. No, that's not the point. Don't do it if that's it. Let me just give you uh, something else here. Need. Now, Need-based giving is very important. Um, Need-based stewardship is, stewardship is very important. If I'm, let me give you an example. I'm walking in the other day in our parking lot, coming to my office, and I see a piece of trash caught in the bushes. Uh, did I just think, oh, facilities team can get that? No. No. There's a need, there's a piece of trash, and boy, they do an amazing job, and it's hard to find them around here because they clean up. But I found it, I picked it up and took it to the trash. Why? Because there was a need there. It's simple. It cost me nothing, right? 
That's how sometimes giving can become, is need-based. We give out of need tons of times at Timberline. We give to women that have been trafficked. We give to orphan care. We give to hungry, homeless people. We give uh, to one-day convoy of people who we, I'm brokenhearted by the poverty and the situations in the world. Why do we do that? Because there's a need, and we should do that. And it's biblical to give out of need. So what I'm wanting you to see here is, what is your giving doing out of, out of law-based, which isn't just sheer legalism, but it's that consistent reminder that I am not bound by materialism. And what is the need-based? I was, I was in a situation just the other day where I was going to give something, not a lot, I'm just talking a little bit. But then something felt funny in my heart about it. I didn't really know the person and the company that they were saying they represented. It felt, felt fishy, you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, thank you, I'm going I'm to pass this time. Because I, I don't know, you don't know who you're giving to. So, so these things become dependent on truly the discerning of the Holy Spirit. Here's the last one, and I think it's the best one of all that I want to challenge you with. Steward. The money that you have. And that involves both of these. When you become a steward, then you are going to say, Lord, time, talent, treasure, how can I serve you with my time, talent, and treasure? Mother Teresa said this, God gives us things to share. God does not give us things to hold. When you understand that it's not yours, there's a real freedom in watching someone else take what you once managed and using it for the purposes of God. So two questions I've got to close with. Number one, am I living in obedience to God in my giving? Not a guilt trip question. Don't let it be. I'm serious. Just ask the question to God. Lord, am I? I'm asking that question of me. Bonnie and I have talked about it this week. Can we do more? How can we do more? Where? What are the needs in front of us that we should be looking at? Not out of guilt, but out of desire, out of kingdom mindset. I want to keep saying that because I, want, I don't want to be misquoted on this. Obedience is the best you have, right? So then the bigger question becomes, am I able to discern the voice of God? And that's where Bonnie and I are at. We pray about stuff because I don't know if I always can discern. Like, am I just being tugged because this looks like a real need or does God really want me to invest in this. Number two, is God truly the owner of all I possess? That's a big question. Is God truly the owner of all I possess? Just, just for the sake of a fun moment, would you just take out your wallet? Just, guys, take it out of your pants. Ladies, if your purse is right there, just take it out. If you don't have a wallet and you have a phone, maybe you have credit card numbers in there or something, just take out your phone. And just hold it in your hand for a second. Matter of fact, I, I do. I, I have my, my, my phone and my wallet because I have a lot of things I cherish. Pictures of my wife and kids and grandkids in my phone. I have, um, you know, credit card numbers in my phone. Uh, places I love to go in my phone. I have credit cards in my wallet. Um, I still use a credit card, but I pay it off every month. But I like getting those miles, honestly. Um, but, but I feel like if you, can, if you can have these in your hand and you can truly say, God, everything in here. 
I wonder what the number would be if, if, we, if we put everyone's worth that's in this room right now and in the South Auditorium right now on the board. So why don't you just hand your wallet to your neighbor? <laughs> Let them just give whatever they want to give in the offering. No, I'm kidding. Isn't it a vulnerable feeling to say, who would I give this to? Even to give it to God is a big deal. Why? Because we think it's ours, but it isn't. It's his already. If you want to surrender, don't hold this back. Because this says a lot about you. No, it doesn't. That doesn't define, no, it doesn't define you, but it says a lot about you. And there's no guilt in this statement. Pay attention to where you really are. And own it. And let God lead you and guide you. I, I want to say one last thing, and it's that last line in your outline. It's encouraging. <laughs> God blesses the direction I am going. I believe this with all of my heart. I've watched it. God blesses the direction I'm going. In other words, you haven't really been much of a giver. Maybe every now and then you see a need and you step up and do something, but you've never been a systematic giver. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the challenge out there for you. Start. I can't start with 10%. I know. I get it. Start somewhere. Pick a percent. All I want to establish, all God, I believe, wants to establish is a pattern. A pattern where you are consistent and you are saying, I'm bringing this to the storehouse and I'm going to trust God. I think a really good rule is when you give 10% and then you give need base on top, then you should save 10%. Tuck it away. Tuck it away for that day. Live on 80% or less. You say, well, I just can't do that. I know. But if you start today in a year or two or five, you will be able to because you will adjust your lifestyle to do it. And many have done it, and it can be done. I want you to have that hope, and God will help you do it. He might surprise you. I love the story of the small church in the South that used to, put a big round carpet on the floor for the offering and they would play a song and people would come by and drop their offering on the carpet. And a little boy comes walking down the aisle one day and he looks at that carpet with the money all around it and he looks up at the pastor and he shakes his head a little bit and then he just steps onto the rug. And he says to the pastor, I don't have any money but I'll give me I think that was the biggest gift that day given in that church. I'll give me. When you give you, everything else follows. Give you first. And don't fight that. And don't be in bondage or guilt about that. Give you first. Surrender it all. And just watch what God will do as you trust him. It will be powerful. Let's pray together. Lord, this is such an important topic. And thank you for sweet conviction and knowing that we can do some things different. But don't let the enemy get in here and condemn people and guilt them and beat them up and have them rush out of here frustrated. Just stop all that in their spirit right now and invite them. Invite them to stewardship. Mature stewardship. And let us be real and honest about where we really are. Lord, Thank you that we can give us first. 
everything that comes with us includes the baggage, (laughs) the stuff we wish we didn't have with us, and a lot of the stuff we bring that those talents can be used in your kingdom. So thank you for taking all of us and working with us through the rest of our lives. Give couples who are married opportunity to visit about this, talk about this, make good decisions. Don't let them argue about it. Let it be something that is done with great peace and harmony. We just thank you for your word today. Put it deep in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.